Welcome to the Dwelling Place Church audio podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in to this week's message. We pray God speaks to you today through this message and through his word. For more information about our church, be sure to visit us on the web at dwellingplacemovement.org. Now, it's time to listen to this week's message. Bless each of you and so delighted that you made a wise choice to gather with people that are seeking Jesus. Isn't he worthy today? Well, we're continuing this series, Paul and the Road Ahead. And uh, if you want, you can find 2 Timothy chapter 4 in the text. That is going to be our foundational uh, scripture for today. 2 Timothy chapter 4, beginning in verse 6. And again, uh, sermon card, uh, all the notes accessible uh, through social media, through the Bible app, so be aware of that. But in 2 Timothy chapter 4, beginning in verse 6. For I am already being poured out as a drink offering, and the time of my departure is at hand. I have fought the good fight, I have finished the race, I have kept the faith. Finally, there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord the righteous judge will give to me on that day, and not to me only but also to all who have loved His appearing. I want to preach a message today titled, Realities of the Finish. Realities of the Finish. And before I do, I want to pray. Father, I thank You that in the name of Jesus, forgiveness is available, a new start is available, that the power of God is available to meet people right where they're at. And I ask, Holy Spirit, that you would reveal Jesus to hearts and minds. That Jesus, your kingdom would come in these moments we have together. That you would pull down blinders and deception. That you would absolutely confront the accuser and the voice of the enemy. And the lies that try to encourage people to quit, to give up. Lord, I pray that your resurrection power would quicken people that you would truly do miracles in people's lives and situations. I yield to you, Holy Spirit. Make much of Jesus. It's in His name I pray. Amen. I once went running, and I stopped when I felt like stopping. Another time I went running, and I stopped when I hit the six-mile mark. What was the key difference between those two times I went running? A goal. Not just a goal, but in this case, it was a clearly defined goal, six miles. And it was not only a clearly defined goal, but it was a predetermined goal. It wasn't while I was running that I decided to set as a goal six miles. It was predetermined, it was clearly defined. Paul makes it clear in his second letter to Timothy that he had lived aware that his time on earth would come to an end. In our text, he makes this statement in this phrase, the time of my departure is at hand. Look at our text again in 2 Timothy 4 and verse 6. He says, for I'm already being poured out as a drink offering and the time of my departure is at hand. I have fought the good fight, 
I have finished the race, I have kept the faith. Finally, there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give to me on that day. And not to me only, but also to all who have loved his appearing. Notice Paul here in his second letter as he writes to Timothy. Paul makes it clear that he lived aware that he was in a fight. He says, I have fought the good fight. This means Paul was aware that he was in a fight. Paul makes it clear that he lived aware that he was running a race. He says, I have finished the race. Paul makes it clear that it took faith regarding both. He says, I have kept the faith. Paul makes it clear that he was aware and motivated by the promise of rewards. He speaks of the crown of righteousness that the righteous judge will give to him on that day. If there's one thing we can find comfort in, it's the fact that Jesus Christ is not just judge, but he's a righteous judge. What a comforting thing it is, is that the one who sees all things, knows all things, is a righteous judge. That the judge of all the earth is one that is righteous and can only do what is right. Paul also makes it clear that such a reward is possible for us who is here today. That such a reward is available for me today and such a reward is available for you today. Here's the point. You only fight well if you're aware that you're in a fight. People that aren't aware and living aware that they're in a fight don't fight well. You have to be aware that you're in a fight if you want to fight well. You only run well if you're aware that you're in a race. If you're not living aware that you're in a race, you won't run well. But people that are aware that they're in a race, they run well. You only keep the faith if you are aware that it's something to be kept. You're only motivated by rewards if you are aware that there are rewards available. People ain't motivated by rewards if they're not aware that rewards are available. In 2 Timothy in verse 7 in our text, 2 Timothy 4, 7, he says again, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Paul is conscious to the reality he has finished his race. Paul is what scripture, scriptures refer to as an overcomer. And as an overcomer, Paul encourages and empowers others to overcome. Listen to me. Quitters encourage and empower other quitters. Quitters encourage others to quit. Quitters empower others to quit. Overcomers, however, encourage and empower others to overcome. If you want today to be encouraged to quit, then go get around quitters. If you want to be comforted and justified in your quitting, then go get around others who have quit. But I want to tell you today that if you want to be encouraged to overcome, if you want to overcome, then you have to follow those who have overcome. This is a reality. It's a reality that oftentimes we might want to resist and not face, but it's a reality. And when I look at the life of the Apostle Paul, 
And I look at his life through his letters. I look at his life through Dr. Luke as he writes the book of Acts. When I look at the Apostle Paul's ministry and his race, listen to me, I am never once, I am never once comforted or encouraged to quit when I look at the life of the Apostle Paul. It's the exact opposite. This is the vital reality that we can take away from this series on the life of Paul when it comes to what is ahead for you and I, when we look at the realities of the finish, when we look at the reality of the life of the Apostle Paul, we are not encouraged to quit. We are encouraged to become an overcomer. Paul imparted what he imparted and multiplied what he multiplied because he was an overcomer. I don't know about you, but often I've wondered about the question well, what do you do when you're in the season when you feel or you look around and it appears there are no overcomers to follow? What do you do when you're in the season and you can't locate or, or, or seek to really find one who has overcame what it is you're facing, the season you're facing? What's interesting is Paul addresses this right after our main text. And, well, actually in his other letter, in 1 Timothy 4 and verse 16, he says this, At my first defense, no one stood with me, but all forsook me. This is interesting. Paul, listen, he wasn't just a solo minister, even though he was an apostle sent forth from the local church and by the Lord Jesus Christ. He had a ministry team. He mentored and he had a, a ministry team that, he would send to different locations on his behalf for different ministry activities. And yet he says, At my first offense, no one stood with me, but all forsook me. May it not be charged against them, but the Lord stood with me and strengthened me, so that the message might be preached fully through me, and that all the Gentiles might hear. And I was delivered out of the mouth of the lion, and the Lord will deliver me from every evil work, and preserve me for his heavenly kingdom. To Him be glory forever and ever. Amen. Notice that phrase, The Lord stood with me and strengthened me. Paul says that in the end I wasn't alone. That the forerunner of overcoming Jesus the King stood with me. That when I looked alone, I wasn't alone. That I had access to the overcomer, Jesus Christ. To Him who overcame all things. Can I tell you today that Jesus Christ, the overcomer of all things, is available to you and I? That if you feel like no one understands, if no one will stand with you in the season, if there's no model for you to overcome the challenges or the seasons or what it is you face, Jesus Christ will stand with you. If you'll look to Him today, if you'll call out to Him today, if you'll hunger and thirst for Him who's an overcomer, He'll do what He did for Paul. He'll stand with you. He has grace and strength and the ability to strengthen you. Jesus Christ faced every devil. Jesus Christ faced every temptation. Jesus Christ faced even the last enemy, the greatest enemy called death, and He overcame all things. He can stand with you today. The question you and I need to face in some of the seasons that we're facing or some of the battles that you're facing is what does this mean if I choose not to overcome? 
It's a real question. It's an important question. I believe each and every one of us have lived long enough to know that there are some people that when they face certain situations and setbacks and hardships, they make a choice not to overcome. We would bury our head in the sand to not acknowledge the fact that not every time we choose to overcome. So what does this mean if I choose not to overcome? What does this mean if we choose not to overcome? What does this mean for you if you choose not to overcome in an area of something you're facing? It means, listen, I will have to bask and live in the reality of the foundational truths of God. That I will have to bask and live regarding that area I choose not to overcome the rest of my life. Basking in the unfailing, unconditional love of God. And I will have to just encourage others who have quit with the same foundational truths. But I will not live and bask in the reality of the experiential aspects of impartation and multiplication phases in the kingdom of God. When we choose not to overcome, listen, we can never encourage and empower others to overcome what we chose not to overcome. We can encourage people who quit like we quit, that God still cares about them, that God still loves them. We can still remind them of their identity in Christ, but we can't encourage and empower others when they're faced with the same area that we quit in. What happens is, is when we quit, we have to then be used of God to tell others, don't do what I did. We can tell them, learn from my mistakes or learn from where I chose to quit. But we cannot become one who empowers others to overcome in that area. I can't look at every young man and every young woman in the face who's in middle school and high school that's facing issues in that and encourage and empower them to overcome. Because there's challenges and seasons and things I face that I chose to quit and not overcome in that season. And so all I'm empowered and able to do is tell them, why don't you learn from my mistakes? Or don't do what I did. Don't choose what I chose. You, when we choose to quit, we have to just bask and live regarding that area just in the foundational truths of God's Word. But we're not able to empower others in the impartational and multiplication realities of the kingdom of God. Listen, maybe you've quit in an area. Underneath quitters is still the everlasting solid foundation that has God's seal of approval, Jesus Christ the, the King. Underneath quitters is still the solid foundation of God, Jesus Christ. And God is so good, and He's so gracious, and He's so sovereign, He can still use quitters to minister to other quitters the availability of His forgiveness. The availability of His tender mercy that's new every morning. The availability of His nature where He's slow to anger but full of loving kindness. We can still talk about a God whose, whose nature is wants to restore of God's love that sustains us even when we've quit in an area. We can still minister to others 
and remind them of their identity of Christ. But listen to me, what is not ahead of a quitter is the full experience of the impartation and multiplication realities of the kingdom of God. And what is not ahead of for a quitter is being used of God to encourage, empower, impart, and multiply God's design in that area to overcome in others. Paul, when he talks about the warfare that we face, and he talks about the renewing of the mind and learning to take thoughts captive and having to pull down strongholds and deal with blinders that seek to blind us from the true knowledge of God and His ways. He says in 2 Corinthians 10, 5, at the end of that passage, He says, after your obedience is fulfilled, thus judging all disobedience. What that means is it's only after we have followed the overcomer Jesus and trusted and learn how to overcome in an area that our life then judges the reality that you don't have to quit. That victory is available. That through Jesus, being an overcomer is available. But if I make the choice to quit, sure, underneath me is still God's love. Sure, underneath me, I'm still a child of God. Sure, underneath me is still the secure arms of the, of the Father and His mercy. But what's not ahead of me is being able to be used to empower and encourage others in that area to also overcome. How can I overcome another? Or how can I encourage a, another to overcome in an area that I've quit in? When I think about the Apostle Paul through the lens of Hebrews 13.7 which states, Remember those who lead over you, who have spoken the word of God to you, whose faith follow, considering the outcome of their conduct. When I think about the Apostle Paul through that lens, I see a faith, I see an outcome that after personal consideration I desire to follow today. What about you? When you look at the life of the Apostle Paul, who in our main text says, I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. I have fought the good fight. I see a faith. I see an outcome that I desire to follow. Listen, one statement of caution today is I'm preaching today. I'm not teaching. So the goal is not to draw every square box and cross every T and dot every I regarding the theme of being an overcomer and being a quitter. So you're going to have to learn to listen to what I'm saying, but also hear what I'm not saying. At the end of the day, the, the reason I say that is don't go make a dumb decision and try to blame me for is my point. I'm preaching today. But Paul was able to overcome and he was able to finish his course because first, watch this, he was clear on the goal. Just like the key difference between the one time I went out and ran and I stopped when I felt like stopping and the other time I went out and ran and I didn't stop until I hit the six mile mark. The difference was a goal. A predetermined goal, a clear goal. And Paul was able to overcome. He was able to finish his course because first he was clear on the goal. To finish 
And to finish as an overcomer and to finish the race in an area, you got to be clear on the goal. You know, I once threw a, threw a basketball up in the air and it just landed where it did. I once threw a basketball up in the air and it landed and hit another person in their head. But I once shot a basketball towards a basketball goal and I made it. What's the key difference between just throwing the basketball up in the air versus shooting it at a basketball goal? Aim. Aim. Paul was not just clear on the goal, but then he set his aim at the goal. In 2 Corinthians 5 and verse 9, this is the apostolic passion of the Apostle Paul. This is the apostolic foundation of New Testament faith that the apostles that God used to write scriptures put before believers. It says this, that therefore we make it our aim. Everybody say aim. Whether present or absent to be well pleasing to Him, Him being Jesus Christ the King. For we must all, for me, we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ that each one may receive the things done in the body according to what he has done, whether good or bad. Paul says, we make it our aim. The word aim there in the Greek is used three times by Paul in his letters. In the King James Version, they translate uh, very interestingly each time that Greek word differently. In the King James, one time it's translated as strive, another time it's translated as labor, and another time it's translated as study. But the heart of that Greek word, it means this, to be actuated by love of honor. It means to be fond of honor, to strive to bring something to pass and to make its one aim. But listen, it's attached to the love of honor. People don't honor people where they quit. People honor people where they have overcome. And what Paul says is, is I make it my aim. I have a love to receive honor from Jesus the King that I'm living my life before. And this love for this honor from Jesus the King, that is my aim. That is my aim. This Greek word, he uses it once in Romans 15, 20. He says, I have made it my aim to preach the gospel, not where Christ was named. Paul says that part of my honor that I'm seeking is the honor to preach Jesus where he's not been preached. That's my aim. The other time he uses it in 1 Thessalonians 4, 11. He, he writes to the church there and he says that you also aspire to lead a quiet life, to mind your own business, and to work with your hands as we commanded you that you may walk properly towards those who are outside and that you may lack nothing. There he says that we should aspire, make it our aim to do what? To lead life. Not to just have to react always to life but to learn that through Christ we can lead life. 
Do you believe Jesus Christ, the forerunner who overcame all things? Do you believe that he lived a life that was always reactionary? Or was he doing what the Father asked him to do? Was he speaking what the Father asked him to speak? He was leading life full of God's Spirit, living for the honor before the Father. Paul here in 2 Corinthians 5, he says, My aim, our aim is to be well-pleasing to Jesus Christ the King. Paul took aim at the goal. The goal for him was to be well-pleasing to Jesus, to live in the light of the reality of the judgment seat of Christ. Now what is the judgment seat of Christ? This is not what Scripture calls the eternal judgment. This is the judgment seat of Christ for believers. And it's not a judgment regarding eternal death and eternal life. It's a judgment or evaluation for what Paul says here, the deeds you and I have done while still in the body. Meaning you and I as a follower of Jesus will give an account for what Paul calls in the text the race, the good fight. And Paul was able to overcome and able to finish his course because first he was clear on the go and then Paul was able to overcome, able to finish his course because second, he took aim at the go. So the judgment seat of Christ is a judgment and evaluation of our life after Christ has came into our life. What have we done now with the reality that you and I have become His dwelling place? That Christ now lives in us. And so as we look at the life of Paul, we think about the days ahead for you and I. We see in the life of Paul that he was able to overcome, able to finish his course because he first was clear on the go. Second, Paul was able to overcome, able to finish his course because he took aim at the go. See, listen to me, when you take aim at the goal, then you know when to fight and what to fight. When you're not clear on the goal and you're not setting your aim at the goal, people will fight anything and everything. But you don't have enough energy, you are not God, you don't have enough time, you don't have enough wisdom to fight anything and everything. But when you are clear on the go and you set your aim on the go, you then can discern what you need to fight and when to fight. Why is that? Because anything that tries to get in between you and your aim at the go, you know it's something that you're going to have to fight against. You're going to have to stand against. That when it gets in the way of your aim towards the go, that's something that's challenging your vision. It's challenging what what God has put before you and on your heart. And then you know I have a fight at hand. So when you take aim at the go, you know when to fight and what to fight. But you also have a motivation creator. See, when you're clear on the go and you set your aim on the go, you have something now that begins to create motivation. The reason some people don't have motivation in an area is they're not clear on the goal of God for that area. 
Others, maybe you've been enlightened and learned before God's goal regarding that area, but you're not setting your aim on the goal. And therefore, complacency can come in. Distractions can come in. There's not motivation. But when you're clear on the go and you set your aim on the go, you have a motivation creator. Paul speaks of this in Philippians 3 in verse 12. In Philippians 3 and verse 12, he says, Not that I have already obtained or am already perfected, but I press on, that I may lay hold of that for which Christ Jesus has also laid hold of me. Brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended, but one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead. I press, I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Therefore let us, as many as are mature, have this mind. And if in anything you think otherwise, God will reveal even this to you. Nevertheless, to the degree that we have already obtained, let us walk by the same rule, let us be of the same Mine. Notice Paul clear on the go. Paul set his aim on the go. And therefore Paul had a motivation creator. And that's why he said, I press on and I press towards. And in order to press on and to press toward, he said, I have to forget what's behind. Now listen, not forget in the sense, forget in the sense of not robbing you of your motivation but not forgetting in the sense of what you've learned. See, a lot of people get stuck focusing on what's behind because they've not allowed the wisdom of God or the light of God to teach them and allow them to learn from the past. And because they've not learned from the past, they get stuck thinking and meditating on the past. Another thing though, of what it means not to forget. Is we're not talking about forgetting in the sense of continuing to put yourself in harm's way. Oftentimes, forgiveness and forgetting has been taught in a wrong way. We don't forgive people or forget about people in the sense that then we keep entering in and putting ourselves in a relationship with them that harms us more and more. That's not biblical forgiveness, and that's not what it means to biblical biblically forget but when Paul says I forget what's behind is he forgets in the sense of it not stealing his vision and his aim on the go you have to forget some things of what's behind so that it doesn't steal your vision and your aim regarding what's ahead this was the forget of also forgiving himself. Listen, to be a disciple means we're a learner. And to learn means oftentimes we take tests or God gives us pop quizzes, unannounced tests, to reveal our current state so that we would be exposed that there's a gap between where we're at, what we truly know, how we truly live, and what God's made available. But when you understand a disciple were a learner, then we don't see the gap as an utter failure. 
and we don't get fixated on the past that has revealed where there's a gap. We realize, therefore, God has revealed a gap because He wants to fill the gap with His grace and His wisdom. And notice what Paul ties this into. He ties this into what he calls mature-mindedness. He says the mature have this mind. Mature have this mind. What? I'm going to press on, I'm going to press forward, and I'm going to forget what's behind. So Paul was able to overcome and finish his course because he first was clear on the goal. And Paul was able to overcome and able to finish his course because second, he took aim at the goal. And when you take aim at the goal, you know when to fight and you know what to fight and you have a motivation creator. But Paul also was referred to, he called himself a wise master builder. In 1 Corinthians 3 and verse 10, Paul says that he was a wise master builder. According to the grace of God which was given to me, as a wise master builder, I have laid the foundation and another builds on it. But let each one take heed how he builds on it. Listen, wise building requires the end in mind. Wise building requires the end in mind. Paul as an apostle had received grace to know the goal of God and was then able to build with that end in mind as a wise master builder. That's why I'm so thankful what God's allowed this community to be able to do when it comes to our land that we own is that we've already gotten three-phase approval from the city. We already know the full potential of what can be built on our land. And so now we know the full potential and we have the possible end in mind of how it can be utilized in making generations of disciples in a community of, of believers of Jesus and followers of Jesus called Dwelling Place. We can begin with the end in mind. The architects can look at what we're building in phase one with the end in mind. Likewise, for you and I, to build in a wise way in an area of our life, it requires the end in mind. See, listen, where I have not received God's grace and wisdom, I am unable to master. Where I've not received God's grace and wisdom in an area, I'm unable to master that area in my life. I'm unable to overcome in that area of life. In an area where I've not received God's grace and wisdom, I am unable to know the goal. In an area where I've not received God's grace and wisdom, I'm unable to take clear aim. This is why Jesus said that the wise stewards gives the right portion of food in due season. Notice that. It's wise stewards that give the right food in the right season. Why? Because listen, seasons of life expose where we have not received God's grace and wisdom to know the goal and take clear aim. Seasons of life expose where you and I have not received God's grace and wisdom to know the goal and take clear aim. This is the tension and the difficulty 
of life. Is very few, if any, have enough margin and space or wise counsel around them that early enough in life they dedicate enough time to do what Paul uses that word, to make aim, to have a, a love for honor and, and to study and to strive and labor to know the goal of God for all the areas of life and to set their aim towards those goals. And so we find ourselves then thrust into seasons of life and the seasons of life expose that I'm not clear on God's goal regarding that area. And because I'm not clear on God's goal regarding that area, I cannot set my aim on God's goal. Therefore, you have what? You have all types of competing voices. You have all types of competing targets. You have all types of competing standards. All seeking to capture our heart and our mind and dictate and determine what is the goal for that area of our life. Some of you maybe, it's seasons of life that don't just expose that you didn't have a goal. Maybe you had a goal. And maybe you've been living life with aim towards that goal, but seasons of life expose that your goal wasn't large enough. It was a goal that came from your own heart. It was a goal that came from your own idea. It was a goal that came from the patterns of this world, but it wasn't a big enough goal coming from God, your Creator. And as a community of followers, we have to be a people that gets beyond how the world responds when they get exposure that they don't know something about an area. Or when they get exposed that they're not as competent or clear on an area as they thought. We are defined by a very word that says we are to be a people that is continuously learning. And to learn means we have consistently come to face and be revealed that there are gaps or there's things we need to learn. So we shouldn't be a people that's always coming in trying through defenses or charades or masks act like or bury our head in the sand to think like we have no areas where we need God's clarity and goal so that we can set our aim after God's goal. We should be so celebratory. God, show me where else. I'm not clear on your goal. God, reveal, show gap in areas of my life where I'm not clear on your goal for that area of my life. Why? Because our God is a God of all grace. He has grace to fill the gap, but you and I won't receive God's grace when we're not aware that we need His grace. Jesus looked around at people that had the Scriptures for years and years in their whole upbringing, and He said that the sick don't go or look for a physician unless they're sick. 
What that means for you and I is we are defined as a disciple learners. And as learners, we should constantly be open to God to teach and instruct us more and more on His goals for areas of our life so that we can set our aim on the goal that God has for those areas of our life. See, listen, seasons of life expose where I've not received God's grace and wisdom to know the goal and take clear aim. And this is most regarding why when they got born again and regenerated, God left them here on earth. The majority of followers of Jesus are not clear on the reason why that after they became a child of God through the new birth, why God left them here. So seasons of life expose for believers, why am I still here? What's the goal of God? for my life here on earth so that we could take aim after it. This is most, listen, regarding their work and their career. They're working. They're in their career. They're going to their job. They have paychecks coming in. But most people don't start working and in their career clear on God's goal for their career and work. This is most regarding their finances. They're not clear on God's goal called missional stewardship. This is most regarding marriage. This is most regarding raising children. This is most regarding God's plan for the local church. We don't start off, most of us, clear on God's goals in those areas. And therefore we can't, what, set our aim on it if we're not clear on the goal. But God, listen, He has grace for you. And God has wisdom for that gap. But listen, pride and complacency must be strongly resisted. You must absolutely get a mentality that refuses to tolerate in your own life pride and complacency. Why? You only fight well if you're aware that you're in a fight. Come on, Casey. You only run well if you are aware that you're in a race. You only keep the faith if you're aware that it's something to be kept. You only are motivated by rewards if you are aware that there are rewards available. The question I want to ask you is, are you aware? Are you aware that you're in a fight? A fight of faith? Not just faith that Jesus is Lord, but the practical outworking of that relational trust in Jesus in every area of your life. Will you trust Him in that area? Will you trust Him in this? Will you trust Him with that? Are you aware that rewards are available? That you and I will give an account for the deeds done in the body after... Jesus Christ has entered our body through His Spirit. Are you aware that you're in a fight? Because without awareness, we won't fight well. Without awareness, we won't keep running and finish the course that God has for us. Without awareness, we'll lose motivation. Paul was able to overcome able to finish his course 
Because first he was clear on the goal. What goals today in God's holy presence need to be brought to the feet of Jesus and say, Lord, is this your goal for this area of my life? Or is it a goal of mine? Is it a goal of others? Is it a goal that's been created by expectations of the world? But Jesus, I bring my goals to your feet and I'm asking I'm asking for you to, do, to begin to give your wisdom and your light that I would know the goal of God for these areas of my life. Without clarity on, clarity on the goal, you can't set your aim. And without your aim set, listen, you're not going to arrive there by happenstance. Paul wasn't able to write in this moment at the end of his life and say, I've kept the faith, I've finished my course because he just stumbled his way there. It takes intentionality. It takes aim. And to do that takes having moments like this in God's presence to slow the pace and the push of this world and the enemy trying to keep you busy to evaluate what are the goals you are living for is your aim worthy is it worthy in the sight of God Almighty are you aiming too low are you aiming too high do you have wrong expectations or can you be truly certain and convinced on the expectation you have because God has given you that expectation and go Paul was able to overcome, able to finish his course because second, he took aim at the goal. What goal are you clear on today? What goals are you not clear on? How are you taking aim at that goal? What are you practically doing to press on, to press toward, to forget? To not just celebrate past wins, but realize regardless of your age, Jesus has more He can do in you and through you. That if you're still alive, fruitfulness is available. If you're still alive, God has more grace. He can empower you more. He's got more He can reveal to you. He's got more He can fill you with. Maybe today you feel alone. Feel alone in your season. Feel alone towards a goal. Feel alone in the process. Feel alone in the, the process of learning. I want to tell you, if you feel alone, Jesus can come and stand with you. But the question you and I face is, will we turn to Him? Will you ask for His help? Will you ask for His wisdom in an area? Will you ask for the work of the Holy Spirit to give you illumination and revelation of the goal of God so that the Holy Spirit can begin to set your heart like flint on the goal of God for you in an area? And you can hear Him who overcame all things say, I'm with you. And the same power and grace that enabled me to overcome all things I'm making available for you. Jesus, our overcomer. Thank you so much for listening to this week's message. If you would like more information about our church, 
Be sure to visit us on the web at dwellingplacemovement.org.